0: Welcome to another episode of Lesson, Learn, and Love, hosted by Richard Osler. My guest on today's podcast is my friend, Jacob Graff. Welcome to the podcast, Jacob.
1: Howdy. Happy to be here.
0: Tell everybody how to spell your last name.
1: G-R-A-F, as in Frank.
0: And tell our listeners the background behind that name, is there? Because most graphs are G-R-A-F-F.
1: Yeah. um, As far as I understand, we spell it like... Most people typically did in uh, German and and uh, uh, Swiss uh, Europe. So it's great. Yeah, we we have a pretty typical spelling of the last name as far as I so everybody as as else understand. is typical. It's everyone else who, who gone actually went, yes, exactly. Well, there you go. They're the ones who all changed their name incorrectly. If there's so. any
0: graphs living with two F, you can message Jake and you can have an offline Absolutely. discussion about yep. this. No. Just by way of introduction, um, Jacob is 26 years old. He is a returned missionary. He is gay. He has stepped away from full activity in the church. We'll talk more about that. He has a great professional career underway. He's worked at a company called Divvy D I V um, V Y, high tech company here in so- in Utah County, Salt Lake County. Mm-hmm. Um, he has a leadership role there. He's the director of um, product op- product
1: product operations.
0: Product operations. Mm-hmm. So this will be a podcast of Jacob telling his story of coming out gay, how he knew he was gay, when he knew he was gay, some of the theories that people presented to him, why he was gay and how he worked through those, his relationship with his family. He's the oldest of six, has active LDS parents. Um, That'll be a lot of the story. We'll also talk about potentially just, you know, any suggestions he has to YSA leaders, as they're supporting their LGBTQ members, probably and talk about his um, role at Divi and just um, how he is being received there as a gay worker, which is great, and his relationship with the CEO and his fellow workers and the other LGBTQ people at Divi and how that is just such a great space for him. And when I hear that, it makes me happy. It's an improvement in our society that everybody feels welcome at work and People are being promoted based on their abilities to contribute versus any other attribute. Um, Whenever I do a podcast with someone that stepped away in in the church, sometimes people ask me, why would you tell that story? And this is a podcast I've wanted to tell all stories as long as the guest is respectful of the church, which Jacob is. Yeah, I'd always invite um, someone like Jacob, if I was wise, a bishop, to follow the teachings of the church. Everything good in my life has come from following the teachings of the church, and I invite everybody to do that. But as a YSA bishop, I had YSAs that um, they just didn't feel that was their path to fully participate in the church. And I would just say, I'll walk with you. I want to be involved in your lives. Uh, My role in your life is not conditional on full church activity, and I want to be there to walk with you on the road that you feel is best. I'm not going to invite someone to go down a road different than the church teachings, but if they self-determine that's their road, then I'll walk with them. And so that's what we're kind of doing with Jacob. Um, Neither of us inviting others to follow Jacob's path, but I think it's helpful just to hear Jacob's story and how he's navigating this really difficult road in a very thoughtful way. Jacob offered a great prayer before we went live. Sometimes we tape those prayers as part of the podcast. Um, Just a great spirit about Jacob. Um, One of the, maybe one of the talks that resonate with me when I meet somebody that stepped away is Elder Ballard's talk in November 2017 at BYU. Um, And the question is to family and friends who are less active, Elder Ballard encouraged listeners to love them. And this is his quote, please don't preach to them. Your family member or friend already knows the church teachings. They don't need another lecture. What they need, what we all need, is love and understanding, not judging. Share your positive experiences of living the gospel. So maybe that's an umbrella statement for this podcast. And um, and just thank you, our listeners, for being willing to hear Jacob's story. Jacob reached out to me on Twitter two years ago, and we met, and I just felt a great man doing really wonderful things in his life, and it's fun to reconnect with him. And we've had a good catch-up before we went live Anything I've said so far that you want to clarify, or are you okay with that? Just share with our listeners.
1: No, yeah, I I think that we're we're in a good place to to get started and start chatting here. I'm I'm excited to talk a little bit more
0: about about my story and and where I'm at. Tell us just growing up. Where did you grow up, Jacob? And when did you sort of realize that you might be gay? Yeah, so I grew up
1: in Saint George, Utah. Um, wonderful parents, wonderful siblings. I'm the oldest of six. Uh, we span about 10 years, so I'm 26 at the moment. My youngest sister is 16, and we are kind of all in between there, three boys and three girls, and uh, we have a great time. Uh, growing up, I i never really used the title of gay. I would say that I noticed that I was attracted to men at a pretty young age, probably around 10, 11, 12-ish, and noticed uh, throughout that time that 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 attraction was there. One of the interesting things about my upbringing, though, was that uh, the predominant belief in, in my family was that homosexuality was caused by possession. And while that, on the surface, has a lot of issues related to it, obviously, I think that one of the things at its core that it did and that it caused was uh, this idea that being gay is not you. It is an external force that is that is causing you to experience these feelings or these attractions and and, and all of all of those aspects. And Please tell
0: our listeners more about possession. What what do you mean by that?
1: Yeah. So uh, the idea being possession of an evil spirit, uh, something that is uh, this external force from an unseen world that is tempting you and and causing you to to feel and experience these feelings. Um, and, and it, you know, obviously there's a lot of examples in the scriptures of people talking about evil spirits and, and different things like that. But, uh, in this specific instance, the, the idea was, um, pervade that, uh, homosexuality was caused by possession of some type of external evil spirit, tempting you and and controlling you in a way that caused you to have these feelings and temptations, quote unquote, um, uh, about this, uh. And so, yes, that, that has a lot of issues, I would say, on the surface, obviously. And and working through that mentality for myself is something I'll talk about uh, in a little bit. But th- at its core, the idea that, that that causes is that it's not you, that it's, it's something that just happens to you and that it's something you can overcome. And so for years, um, all through my teenage years, all through high school, even all through my mission, um, it was not something that really... Uh, the idea that Jacob is gay uh, never really even came into my head, honestly, which is kind of crazy to me, looking back now at this point, especially. Uh, but this idea that that I'm gay, uh, just it was never an idea, honestly. Um, not until honestly about a year after
0: my mission. Did you tell anybody about just your attraction to men before your mission? Um, and were you just because I'm assuming you were just hearing this narrative at times. About homosexual people are possessed by a, a spirit, mm-hmm. without a, actually sharing with people that you had same sex attraction or whatever label you're taking on.
1: Sure, uh, at the time, to be totally honest, I don't remember that exactly. I, I, I believe that uh, it had come up with my parents um, early on in my in my high school years, um, and I think that it, it was it was a conversation that kind of came up specifically that I that I opened up with my parents um, about a year or so after my mission after getting home from my mission where uh, I told my mom that I'm attracted to men and I don't know what that means and and I think I'm also I might also be attracted to women so don't worry about it was the message at that point in time and it just kind of it went quiet I guess for for a while there uh, with with my parents so
0: Tell our listeners where you went on your mission.
1: Yeah, so I went to Brazil, um, had a wonderful time. Uh, I think that, you know, I know a lot of people in my position who have uh, kind of stepped away from the church, uh, who also served a mission, may have more negative feelings or different things like that. But for me, it was a wonderful time in my life to learn a lot about myself uh, and to also serve other people and, and to learn about myself through serving uh, just so many wonderful opportunities, I would say, to experience a different culture, to uh, meet people and and live with them through their trials and through their experiences and, and to be able to just be with them. And, and, and I think that there were traits and attributes that I was able to learn on my mission that I'm extremely grateful for even at this stage of my life.
0: Thanks for serving a mission. Yeah. You know, it's a big deal what you did. You gave two years of your life to help people to come into Christ through our restored church and learned a new language and went to a different culture. And there were probably some hard days. The further I get away from my mission, I think the less I remember those days. Mm -hmm. Um, But thanks for serving a mission.
1: Yeah, I actually I talk about this a lot with with friends and coworkers and everyone that I have this maybe blessing and curse that I don't really remember bad things all that, all that well. Um, I tend to look back on, on experiences and whatnot with very, very, uh, I can't even remember the expression, but very, very happy moments and happy memories. Uh, and so, yeah, I, it's, it's definitely something that I, that I do. I have a hard time remembering the, the bad parts of things. So.
0: What did you tell your mom?
1: Um, I just remember I was in St George visiting. I had already moved up to northern Utah after my mission um just with honestly within a few weeks of returning home, I started working up here um and I remember coming home and just being anxious and feeling very upset. My mom could tell that i was that I was quite upset, and it just sort of came out i I just sort of sprung it on her. I wasn't even planning or to talk about it at all. it was just sort of in the moment that it happened uh and what's funny is there's not much more to the, that kind of came out of that conversation. It was just sort of like, okay, like, cool. We you know we can continue, you know, if there's ever, if you ever need anything, if you need to talk about this or whatever, just kind of let me know. But it kind of honestly went silent after that point. So
0: do you wish it hadn't gone silent? Um, or was that okay for you? And your parents were just taking, taking a cue from you w- wondering if you wanted to talk about it.
1: I think that at that point, um, especially as we get a little bit further in my story, maybe it'll become clearer, but I don't know if we were ready uh, to talk about that. Uh, I think that both my parents and myself went through a lot of growth over those next couple of years of understanding um, all of those dynamics, whether it was me being gay or uh, just how what does that mean for our family and, and all of those things. I think that that time was important to have actually. And so uh, maybe coming back to that idea of, I I don't really look back on things with bad memories. It, it seems okay now, even in retrospect that that's how that worked out.
0: Do you know why you were unsettled or um, when you got home from your mission, what your mom picked up, what was going on within you that led to just talking about it?
1: You and I actually, I think talked about this when we chatted about two years ago, this time, actually, uh, where I talked about on my mission, how I had very little, um, anxiety around my attraction to men on my mission. Uh, and it was almost completely out of my mind, honestly, during those two years. And it was very wild. It was a very wild experience for me because coming home, it was almost as if like, it all came back at once. Like this, this, I, this uh emotion of of it all and, and when we talked about it you actually gave me this idea of I can't remember where you had had this uh I think you had had this conversation with someone else but this idea that your mission is the first time where you've had male companionship uh almost 24 7 a- and it's it's a chance for you to almost um have that experience of, of being with someone and having a a unified goal and working towards someone almost like you would in a committed relationship, uh, emotional relationship with someone. Uh, And so maybe for the first time in my life, those needs were being met at least on like a a relationship level of, of being with someone and having a companion on my mission. So I don't know. It's just kind of interesting, but getting back to your question uh, I think it was just that I think it was, kind of the stress of me starting to realize this isn't something that's changing this isn't something that's going away and I don't really know what all this means and I've it's I haven't talked about it. I want to talk about it with someone and I trust my mom and I want to have this conversation with her so
0: trust your mom how cool is it you talk to your mom yeah wonderful Um, person if mom's listening great job mom just (laughs) to create some sort of Um, feeling about you, that Jacob is safe talking to you. That's a pretty heavy secret to keep, and um, that's a payday for a parent, even though it leads to a lot of questions. It's a great payday for a parent when a kid comes out to them. Yeah, um, as I ask return missionaries that question, I get a lot of different answers, but one of the general answers I get is the brotherhood that missionaries, or sisterhood if you're a gay sister missionary, feel as you're working together for a higher cause. And there's just it's kind of all those things that often it's the least triggering time and no one's dating, no one's talking about dating. You don't have to sort of address how the dating world's gonna go and or not go. And so a lot of and I give that advice sometimes I get calls from missionaries that are thinking about a mission Men or women pre mission, and they wonder, well, wait a second, how can I do this? I'm going to be living with someone of the same sex 24 7. That could get awkward. And most, like you, have reported to me, it never did get awkward. It wasn't, it was just this really wonderful time of serving, bringing people to Christ through our church. And it was just this higher team effort that Mm -hmm. just created. a lot of natural connection for a higher goal. That doesn't happen every time. Some have reported to me they had a crush and fell in love with a companion. And that doesn't mean that then they were inappropriate. Um, um, they just had to manage that. And I think that's something that
1: it's fine for people pre- to have yeah, happy and you crushes. Shouldn't
0: pre- <laughs> you should not serve a mission because that might happen to you. <laughs> I would just advise you to take that situation when it happens and you'll know what to do.
1: Straight missionaries have crushes
0: as well. There you go. (laughs) I think we talk about that on the mission. So um, keep telling your story. So you come out to your mom and then it's kind of okay. You don't talk a lot about it.
1: Yeah. Um, What's interesting is around that time too, uh, I had had a sibling who was starting to leave the church, um, as well as some uncles and aunts who were starting to leave the church. And, I myself had started to have a bit of a faith crisis myself of, of starting to uh, not understand a lot of aspects of of my religion. And at that point in time as well, it wasn't super connected to me being gay. It was very much related to my faith and my spirituality. Uh, and I would say that around that time as well, I had a conversation with my mom uh, where we talked about, uh, spirituality and religion. And I asked her, you know, how do you reconcile some of these things that just don't necessarily make sense? And for her, the, the answer was, um, my place is not to worry about the church at large, but to participate and to be in my community and to serve and to love God and to, uh, do what I can to, bring others unto Christ, um, among the people that I'm around. Uh, and for me, that was enough at that point to, uh, start that journey of me separating my religion from my personal relationship with my heavenly parents. Um, and so that was sort of a a stepping stone for me that I think helped me to navigate my life kind of from that point on, in all honesty,
0: how did you resolve that you're not possessed by an evil spirit or do you still believe that?
1: I don't believe that just, just to, thought... just to get that out there. <laughs> uh, that is not a belief that I hold at this point. Uh, or don't think that I ever will again. Um, so yeah, I, uh, you know, I don't know exactly. I uh, I think that there were up, it was a progression for me. It was, it was, from that point, about a year after my mission, it was two years before I ever went out with a guy or or kissed a guy. The first kind time I kissed a guy was in uh, June of 2017. Uh, and that was about two years from that point that I talked to my mom. And, and I would say that throughout that whole time and that progression was me kind of, working to understand this and, and, and trying to figure out, is this me? Is this not me? Um, Can this go away? Will this go away ever? Uh, And I would say that I finally just came to a point after a number of conversations that I had where I realized this is me. Um, And I would almost say it was, uh, you know, some type of spiritual confirmation for me that this is me and that I don't have to worry about this, that I can, that I can navigate this myself because it's okay.
0: Did you ever ask God why you're gay?
1: Yes. Um, but I'd like to talk about that in a little bit. So let's keep this in. We will, we will get there. (laughs) Um, so in 2017, that was when things started to change for me. Uh, looking back, uh, through my notes, um, it was funny. I'd even Uh, It was definitely on my mind at that point in time. I found a note in my phone, actually, of I was driving to work and I had just I think I had read this article earlier that day about um, LGBTQ youth suicides growing in Utah and how bad it really was and and continuing to uh, get here in Utah And I just had this overwhelming emotion, even though at that point, I don't even know if I was still in a place of accepting myself as gay, that I wanted to help and that I wanted to do something about that, that it didn't feel right and that something had to change and get better. And so then, you know, that was in like March-ish and and time is going on. And uh, in June, I finally, I had this moment where I just told myself, you know, I have to do this. Like, I need to go out with a guy and go on a date and probably kiss him and and, and figure this out for myself. Uh, and so I did. And I went into the experience completely intending for it to push me back, to push me and, and help me feel like this is bad and terrible and not something that is OK for me to do and that it would push me back almost into the church and, and into um this safe place almost like this this comfortable place I guess I would say um even though it was so painful it was comfortable at the time because it was what I had known all all, all the way up to that
0: point. And you're active in your YSA ward? Not very active.
1: I'm elders quorum president at this point actually uh in my ward um and actively talking to my bishop actually about all of this and um yeah. So that experience happened. I go on, I go out with this guy and I get home afterwards and actually, no, I think I, I got in my car afterwards and I just had this moment where I was like, I feel fine. In fact, I feel comfortable and, and safe. And for the first time in my life, like I get it. I get this like idea that like all of my friends, all through high school and all through you know my time in Provo for like those like few years after coming home for my mission, of my friends starting to date girls and like have like all these experiences. Um, it was like the first time where I was like, I get what they're talking about, uh, and it was it was incredible, but it was terrifying at the same time because I realized I have to deal with this. This isn't something that's just going to go away. I'm never going to be able to forget this feeling of what it was like to have some type of a more romantic, um, maybe even sexual connection with uh, another person that up to this point, I've never had. And it was that moment where I just said, I have to deal with this and I'm, I'm going to, and I'm going to figure out what
0: it means. What would you say that, I mean, I'm, Thinking, what I would say to you is your wise say, Bishop, because <laughs> I think of that still. And if yeah. I had men and women like you that were trying to figure out their life and what would be the best things I could say, um, do you feel like you were being deceived by Satan?
1: Um, no, I would definitely say that I have I have had points in my life where I have felt the love of a higher power that I like to believe is the love of my heavenly parents and I have felt that I I felt that in that moment I would say um and especially in moments that I'll talk about in a minute um and I think that there are still many moments even today in my life where I have that confirmation that this is a not just fine, but right and great life for me to lead.
0: Yeah, I I like you telling your story, and I just recognize we're in a space where it's kind of unreconcilable, and so I just honor your personal journey and your personal experiences and um, the feelings you have about your future. I had one young man tell me that when he kissed a guy, he went and told his bishop he kissed a guy, <laughs> And the bishop looked away in disgust. Mm -hmm. And that was the last time he ever talked to his bishop. And so
1: what was funny is I went and uh, talked to my bishop. And while we had some interesting conversations, I would actually say overall, he was still extremely loving and, you know, wanting to help. And while his methods of helping and, and trying to figure out what to do for me may not have been what ended up working out, uh, his desire to be there. He did not and, and turn away help. and discuss that. No, no. Good.
0: Yeah. And I like that you felt safe enough with your priesthood leader that you were talking to your priesthood leader about what was going on in your life.
1: Yeah. And I don't think that that's the case in a lot of situations. and it, And it makes me sad to hear when that, I I know a lot of gay people who have not had positive experiences, um, you know, in in working with their with their priesthood leadership or their YSA leaders. And that makes me really sad, honestly. And and, and I think that you can relate a lot to that. Um, and so my you know, my hope is that that can continue to get better and that there there will be more and more people who, as they. Talk to gay people, and as they bring more LGBTQ people into their life, that they will start to just understand and and hopefully see God within them in a lot of a lot of ways. That's
0: great. Keep telling your story.
1: Great. Um, so, uh, that was in June, um, and shortly thereafter, uh, I met a guy that you know I dated briefly, and it was just a wonderful experience. And so while this this first experience that I discussed was, um, you know, just kind of going out on a date and whatnot, and it was leaving and having this sort of remarkable experience, I then very soon thereafter met this other guy that I dated for probably four to six weeks. Excuse me. And we had a great time. And it was the first time in my life that I started to feel more of those romantic feelings for someone. And have a lot of those experiences that I kind of talked about earlier that all of my friends were having, uh, of starting to date and, and have just these fun dating experiences with, with people. Um, so a few months go by, that's the point where my parents find out that I am dating a guy. Uh, those conversations didn't go well, I would say. And, I don't hold any of that against I, I th- hope that's a common theme throughout this is that I hold everyone in my life up to this point that I've that I've talked about in very high esteem um, and, you know, acknowledge that people have their faults and they, they're working through things just as much as, as I am. But um, so I, I had some very hard conversation with my parents over the phone and a few weeks after that, um, I went to Lake Powell with my family um, the guy didn't come with, uh, it was just, just me with my family. And I had a conversation with my parents that, uh, was very difficult to say the least. Um, it was a, probably a three hour, uh, argument and, and discussion, uh, heated discussion about this, uh, my sexuality, my life up to this point and what all this means. And me having only experienced this from sort of the fun, exciting uh, realization standpoint and not necessarily having had conviction about all of it yet. Um, the conversation with my parents ended with them sort of giving me four kind of main points, I guess uh, that were, you'll never be able to reconcile a lot of these things, including your career. It, it will hurt your career into the future. You being an openly gay man, it will, you'll, you personally, Jacob will distance yourself from friends and from family. Uh, You'll never be able to have the family that you wanted with kids and um, in a committed, loving relationship. And the last point was that you'll never be able to reconcile things with God. And that hit me hard Um, that was right at the end of the trip. And I walked out to my car, uh, took my things, walked out to my car and cried for probably the first three hours of my drive home back to Salt Lake. And that sucked (laughs) maybe to say the least. Um, but basically what I left them with was, okay, fine. I will give this another shot. I will try and date girls. I will go back to church i will I will end this relationship that I'm having right now with this guy, and I will try and figure this out because I value my relationship with all with you and I value these other things and and I don't know how i how I'll be able to deal with all of these things. I don't know what that means and it was also kind of sprung upon me and so I went back and kind of started over in a way. And so I get home within about a week. I end things with the guy that I was seeing and I try to date girls again (laughs) and it didn't work. And not that that was surprising to me, I guess at that point. um, But it was very affirming. I would say it really set in stone that this probably wasn't going to work and i wasn't really sure what to do and so i i decided to start talking to people because i wanted i really wanted to reconcile those things that they threw at me um and i wanted to figure out what all that meant and so i talked to a lot of people and and i don't i i won't name names but i probably talked to 10 to 15 different individuals who whether they were parents of gay kids or, uh, people in mixed orientation marriages or, uh, gay men who had previously been members, but now were are in loving, committed relationships. Uh, I tried to just reach out to as many people as I could find. Um, and luckily all of them were actually super, super gracious and willing to talk to me, which was wonderful. Cool. Um, and I'm super, super grateful to this day for all of them. I actually, I have some of them just written down right here, but Um, they helped me to see that there is a healthy, happy life after coming out. And I think that that was the thing that I needed to hear. I needed to see experiences of people and, and hear about their journeys and understand what they were going through. And so I actually talked to a, a, a mixed orientation, um, couple, um, and, the guy, we had a wonderful conversation about his coming out experience and his wife being so supportive and loving and and whatnot. And she eventually hopped on the call with us and, and joined and, and conversed with us as well. And it was a wonderful call, but there's one thing that stuck out to me in that conversation that still to this day just sticks with me so much that going into a mixed orientation marriage, neither party... uh understands what they're consenting to. And I think that it's in a lot of ways unfair to both partners to understand that like, you'll, you may never have a lot of the aspects of a healthy, happy marriage, um, in this situation. And it absolutely can work for people. And, and I, you know, I don't necessarily want to, uh, knock people who have, um, who are in that situation and who have gone down that path. But that was her point is that, her being in this situation, being in this marriage that she essentially said i there's no way I could have ever known what I was consenting to when i when I first got married and um it was very eye opening uh, vi- the excuse me it was very eye opening for me, and from that moment on i I realized that that was not going to be a path for me and and I needed to now kind of go from there so At that point, uh, I started to explore, you know, then my conversations with with gay men um, and and who were in relationships and whatnot started to happen. And I started to understand their dynamics of I can be in a healthy, happy relationship with another man and I can have a family if I want to. I can have kids and I can, you know, uh, get married and, and do all of these things that other people get to do. And that started to I started to feel comfort in that and and knowing that that was okay and going to be a good path for me and um I came out at work and it was an incredible amazing experience and Divi
0: how did you come out at work
1: yeah so I I had definitely had a couple of my closer friends at work who I had come out to and they were all wonderful and great um But I went to my boss, who at the time was Blake Murray, our CEO, and I sat down with him and he could tell that I was upset um, and that I was just kind of stressed and whatnot. And he was like, what's up? And I had just come back uh, from a a trip with my parents and um, I sat down and talked to them. I said, you know, I'm gay and it's been really hard the last few months trying to figure all this out. And he was, he got up, he came around his desk and just hugged me. And it was an absolutely incredible experience. Um, And from that point on, I knew that I had someone in my court uh, at Divi. And also that I would be perfectly fine in my working life from that point on. That I would be able to find organizations and companies and people who loved and supported me and didn't care about my sexuality, that it that it wasn't important uh or or made a difference to them. Uh and from that point on, uh Divi became an incredible place. It was before, but I I realized that it was an incredible place to work for LGBTQ people. And since then I think it's only gotten better. Um and and I've had Multiple people throughout my time working there who have started working and ultimately came out to me uh, just let me know how grateful they are that Divi is such a safe place to work. And I am truly grateful to the people around me who have made that possible at Divi, Um, because I really do think that it's a that it's a special um, place to work, especially for LGBTQ people.
0: How did Blake know how to do that? You know,
1: I don't know. I think that, uh, he's a dad himself. Um, I think that he, he just can tell. And, uh, I think he's thought a lot about it honestly. And I think that it was something that he just knew that loving first was the first and most important thing. So,
0: yeah, for some reason that put tears in my eyes, just you in an, we've never really talked about employer situations, but here you are at a good company feeling impressed to tell the CEO of the company about you being gay. And and we're in Utah, <laughs> and, <it's, laughs> and I I just, I maybe I have tears in my eyes because I wonder if I could have done what Blake did, you know, 10, 20, 30 years ago. I could do that now, but, you know, if someone came out, you know, the guys and a couple guys in my ward that came out, I don't know if I got up from the bishop's desk and ran around and hugged them and the courage it took to tell that and how healing it was just to say I love you, man, and give you a hug. Yeah. And, um, how are the active LDS men and women in your company responding to you being openly gay?
1: Great. I don't think it's really, I I don't think about it. I regularly talk about dates that I go on and, uh, you know, people that I you know think are cute and and different things like that with with co and it's fine it, it's it's completely comfortable and normal um and I I think that I like to believe that everyone has the ability to bring their authentic selves to work at Divi whether it's being active LDS or openly gay or um you know being openly gender queer I I think that all of those um paths for people are are okay and, and have been safe for people. So it's, it's It's, fun. It's, it's a great thing that I feel very, um, grateful to be a part of.
0: Keep just sharing the story you want to share.
1: Yeah. So let me kind of get back to those four points, right? Um, those four points being not being able to reconcile my career, not being able to reconcile my, uh, relationships with friends and family. Um, reconciling the idea of kind of a traditional family with kids and a committed relationship and then reconciling my relationship with God. So by this point, um, I've come out to a lot of my close friends, most of my close friends at this point. Um, I've reconciled these issues at work or or this idea at work. Um, and now I am at a place where my friends have been wonderful. Um, all of my siblings have been wonderful and just been absolutely supportive and and very great. And the thing that I need to reconcile is my relationship with God. And I remember going and up to that point, I, I had always gone in prayer and asked, you know, what is the path for me? What, what do I need to do, right? What path should I choose? Help me just to pick. And for the first time, I went with a question that was, can I continue to progress spiritually and maintain a healthy, progressing relationship with my heavenly parents and be openly gay and in a relationship with a man? And ultimately be married and and have kids and can I live that life and continue to maintain a level of spirituality um, and relationship with my heavenly parents and for the first time in having that type of discussion and prayer I had an immediate confirmation that that was great not just okay but perfect for me and that was the moment where everything was different where from that point on, I knew that this was going to be okay, and that no matter what challenge or like, my confidence was immediately solidified in in my coming out and and knowing that I would be an open gay man from that point on, um, because I had that confirmation um, that I believed to be from my heavenly parents, and so uh, from that point it was, I had done it all. I'd reconciled the four things. Um, and the only thing that I hadn't reconciled was my parents. And so I went down to St. George for Thanksgiving. Um, I'm actually looking back at our Twitter DM, uh, date stamps. That was right before I, we talked right before I went and chatted with my parents. And so I got down to St. George, um, And it was maybe, I can't even remember, sometime during Thanksgiving break. And I went and sat down with my mom, just my mom at that point. And uh, I told her, I said, Mom, I've reconciled all these things. I said, you gave me sort of four things that I would need to reconcile in all of this and and choose and that I would be choosing. Um, My friends and family are not going to distance themselves from me. I'm going to be perfectly fine at work and I have confirmation that this isn't a great path for me um, in terms of my spirituality. The only thing that I haven't reconciled is my relationship with you and dad. And if that's going to change, it will be on you guys and not me. And immediately my mom said, okay, great, we'll figure this out. And she got up and she hugged me, and it was it was perfect. Um, and I think that over those months, I, I, I think that, you know, we have to give people the benefit of the doubt and then a little bit of slack because, you know, I had been processing this for 24 years at this point. Um, my mom has had, you know, a few months basically to be understanding and trying to figure out what all this means. And so I don't hold that against her or my dad as, as they've been navigating this. And, um, Today, they are absolutely wonderful. Just my biggest cheerleaders and supporters. Um, And they have gone through their own personal journeys of coming to understand this. And while I don't know exactly where they're at on a lot of these things, um, I know that they love me and that they love me for who I am and that this does not change anything in terms of our relationship and our family and that they are here to support me and do whatever it takes to ensure that we are close and that we have these familial relations. And whether that means bringing guys home and letting them meet them or, you know, telling them about dates. My mom constantly calls and asks me about, you know, have you been on any dates? And we talk about my relationships and we we get into all of that. And I've had great conversations even with my dad um, where as he's been growing and progressing and understanding more of this, he's called me and and had uh, conversations about insights that he's had as he's been coming to understand more about being gay and, and everything related to it, I guess. Uh, and it's just great now. And so I guess like it was really bad there for a minute, but in the end it it as cliche as this phrase is, it got better. It really did, um, and it took some time. And my mom and I remember those first few months after that Thanksgiving. Those conversations were hard, and we just kept talking though. Like we kept the conversation lines open throughout all of that time because I didn't want it to be weird. I didn't want it to be uncomfortable. I didn't want it to be a topic that we didn't talk about. And eventually we got to a place now where it is fine and comfortable and and a regular topic of conversation. And she tells she's currently going to school to become a family uh, and sex therapist now. And she's told me about her experiences in uh, gender and sexuality studies classes that she's had and just her own personal growth and, and understanding of a lot of this. And so it's... I think that it's really, really important if you can to keep those lines of conversation open for as long as possible
0: It's a great story. Um, if your parents are listening, great job parents <laughs> i th- you 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 know I' have sons your age and daughters your age and i I think one of the things that I would go through as I've talked to other parents is just this grieving process that what you hope for your son or daughter is not what's going to happen, and I think there's stages of grief as you re- is you're talking about your own parents have to go through and and just to learn and grow and you've been processing this for a long time and as a parent. So those parents that are listening, I think what Jacob is sharing is wonderful. But be patient with yourself and it's and it takes some time to sort of go through the stages of grief. Not that you're sad or disappointed in your kid. It's just it's changing expectations. And yeah, you worry as an active LDS parent, what this means for your son or daughter's eternal plan. And and I don't know what your parents would say at this point, but I think you just have to leave that at the Savior and say, these Jacob's heavenly father's son. And if we really, and yeah, so you're off the covenant path and you're living outside the doctrine of our church. And I, as a parent, would worry about that. Um, but I, as a parent, would say at the end of the day, my son and daughter have to chart their own path and my job is, to honor that choice they make, and what I can do, what I can control as a parent is I can keep the family circle together. And that is part of our doctrine is the importance of strong family. So then I'm thinking if I'm Jacob's mom or dad, and he's talking about to me about the men he's dating— He's going to make more thoughtful decisions if he feels like he can have those conversations with me, even though it's not what I expected, I, the conversations I'd be having. Because I would want, as a parent, if this is the reality of our situation, for you to make really thoughtful decisions. And if I cut you off, the pain of that may cause you to make really unthoughtful decisions. There's a lot of, sometimes I talk about, there's a lot of lot, ways to live life off the covenant path. Um, it's kind of a weird thing to say, but there's a. I look at some of the people from my high school and the roads that were open to them, and they're pretty difficult roads. If you wanted to go down the road that you were considering, and it led to some really difficult outcomes. Um, and a lot of that was to mute the pain they felt by turning to muting, by turning to drugs and alcohol, and just ways to mute the pain they felt about mm-hmm. the difficulty of their situation and I look at you and where you are and the kind of experience you're having at your company and the way your friends or family are responding. And I'm grateful for that. Um, Thoughts on that, what I've said.
1: Yeah. um,
0: Or just keep telling your story.
1: No, you're fine. I think that this world of that I, that I like to call just this very nuanced world of being in the gray almost. And, Brene Brown actually has a book called Braving the Wilderness. It's one of my favorites, and for me, it kind of opened up this world of realizing that I don't have to be stereotypical Mormon or, you know, member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, nor do I have to be uh, stereotypical gay in a lot of ways, right? And I can figure out what it means for me to navigate both my spirituality and sexuality together, um, in a way that is healthy and brings me joy. Um, and that's ultimately my, my goal. And that is very nuanced. It means that sometimes I go to church and I really enjoy myself and I get to have conversations that, um, are uplifting and whatnot. Um, and other times it means that I will go out with friends and I might drink or, or do different things. But ultimately for me, my goal is to find moderation and, and to find a, a place that where I can um, be at peace, where I can find inspiration and where I can continue to feel like I am growing and progressing. And there are times where a pendulum swings and I, I have to sort of navigate that for myself and um, figure out what that means for me to be balanced and to... Uh, be happy and have a a state of homeostasis. I would say, um, and it's and it's not a clear cut path for me, and and I think that that's what a lot of people have to figure out and navigate in a lot of ways.
0: I like that. Um, when I meet with somebody, um, that feels their path is to step away, that's not a podcast situation, just a one on one visit. You know, I invite everybody to stay, as I've said a few times, Mm -hmm. but then. I do have this pragmatic discussion of okay, if you feel your path is to step away, you know my next goal with somebody if they're going to step away is you have is to keep a relationship with heavenly parents, and for some that's kind of conflicting because their relationship with heavenly Father and is somehow connected through the church and, um, like you you do and. I think Heavenly Father does for all of his children around the world, no matter what faith they're in, they can have a personal relationship with Heavenly Father and receive personal relationship for their life. And so those listeners that have stepped away or now feel that they're outside of God's love, or please don't do that. You've got to keep God in your life and he loves you. And if you've made mistakes and feel unworthy and you say, well, he doesn't love me now, don't do that. I think worth is something that's not conditional. Everybody as a beloved child of heavenly parents is, has worth. And that by that divine nature stay close to heavenly parents and I'm glad you've done that Jacob because if I'm your father or your mother, oh, I can't be your mother. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm one of your parents, um that's what that's what I want. I'd say, well, the reality is this situation Jacob's going to make better decisions in his life if he's close with his heavenly parents. And then I'd sometimes have this discussion, what can you take with you if you feel your place is to step away? Can you continue to read scriptures? Can you continue to attend church like you're doing?
1: And I think that at that point, it's just important to figure out what allows you to stay in a healthy state of mind, what allows you to... Um, Find peace within yourself and if you find that there are aspects that have brought you pain and whatnot to peace through those i don't believe in throwing the baby out with the bathwater, water um, but i do believe that you need to be thoughtful and go through and figure out which aspects are healthy for me and going to um, allow me to be in a positive state of mind um, and not put me in an anxious state of life um, but rather Uh, bring me peace and joy. And I think that that's a very long and thoughtful and time consuming and sometimes awkward and, and unsure process. But in the end, I think that it ends up bringing more joy than the alternative.
0: One of the challenging things for me is um, your personal revelation, not matching the doctrine of our church. Yeah. Um, Do you have any thoughts on that?
1: You know, I do. Uh, I think that it's a very complex situation to be in. And kind of like I talked about with my mom earlier in that discussion of how do I reconcile all of these things that don't necessarily make sense to me? Things that I've grown up with and been taught for years. How do I reconcile these things? And ultimately, uh, the thing that matters most for me is that relationship with God. And so it's not perfect. It's not clear cut. And, but for me, that doesn't change my personal relationship, um, with God. And maybe in a lot of ways, that's why I've stepped away from the church and why I I don't necessarily am active in participating because I don't feel like at this point in time that there is a place for me to be there and to be with people and to be participating. And so it's a hard place to be in, in all honesty, because I don't want, I don't love conflict. <laughs> um, and But I want I want there to, especially for the people who are growing up in the church right now, the youth who are growing up in the church right now and trying to navigate this world of being LGBTQ. I want there to be space for them in the plan of salvation. And I want there to be space for them in, in the the doctrine of the church and in the gospel, because I believe that that love does extend to them. And I believe that there is clarity because I personally found that. And, and so it's hard for me because you're right and that for me, those don't match up. Um, I think if anything, I want that to match up at least for the people who are going through the similar situations that I was, um, 10 years ago, five years ago, three years ago.
0: It's a good answer. And it's a complicated question. And we like to talk about complicated stuff as best we can on this podcast. And I don't know what to make of that. I mean, I could say that I could say things that but I just have chosen that my personal revelation doesn't give me the ability to judge your personal revelation. And my personal revelation um you know was I, I but I've never walked your road. Yeah. I've never faced, you know, 60 years of being alone. Um I've never faced the issues you face and have had, to, had to, add to ask the questions you've been asking and to go deep and sort of figure out your future. So what do I do is I just I just don't, I look at the doctrine that Christ taught is to love my neighbor as myself. Charity never faileth. And I just don't know that I'm giving up any doctrine that I believe in by just saying, I'll support you in what you think is best. Mm-hmm.
1: And I think that love is the most important thing of all, right? We we're commanded over all else to love God and to love our neighbor. And I think that that is the thing that if anything to not leave behind is to figure out how you can best do that in whatever state you're in.
0: And I think you're very thoughtful for other LGBTQ people. Some, you know, will take a path like your path and want everybody to follow the same path. And I love what you said about mixed orientation marriages. And I am glad you talked to somebody and, um, and I think, The most thoughtful LGBTQ people, there's a lot like you, are, are, and tell me if you're saying this, I think you're saying this, is this is my personal revelation for my path, but if somebody else feels they can stay celibate, somebody else feels they can do a mixed orientation marriage, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be threatened by that or feel like everybody's got to take my path to sort of justify my path. I can sort of see the beauty of their path and their personal revelation and hope that those paths succeed for them. Is that... Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay and, with you?
1: and for me, at least I would also, I totally agree with you. And I would also add that some people may not, may stop believing in God and some people may, you know, uh, find themselves in a different state of belief than, than even those. And that's okay. That's their journey, I think. And above all, our, our command is to love them. Right. And I, as much as I can't expect people to understand the journey that I've been through, um, my only ask is that they respect the the situation that I'm in and the um, feelings and and experiences that I've had, even if they can't necessarily understand that path. And so I would extend that to everyone who is in this situation Um, or, or, you know, whether they're uh, gay or not um, or LGBTQ or not, I want everyone to be able to feel like, you know, that their path is, um, respected. Um, it may not be in line with something that I believe or something that I think is, is the right way to do something, but that I want to respect the path that they're going to take. So
0: I love that other things you want to share. And I don't know if you answered the question. Have you ever asked heavenly father why you're gay? Uh, maybe you answered
1: that. You know, I haven't, uh, well, maybe I, I don't know. I don't know if I think about it that often. It's Okay. Um, just, just because I think that for me, when I received the confirmation, I obviously all growing up, I constantly asked myself, you know, especially in prayer, heavenly father, why am I attracted to men? What is this thing that I'm dealing with? Like, what is going on? And, you know, I don't think I ever really got clear answers on that. Um, but I didn't, when I had that experience of, just being at peace with who I am. uh, I didn't really need that question answered after that point because it didn't really matter.
0: It's good. Other things you'd like to share, Jacob?
1: Um, I think that that's mostly, mostly it. Um, My life today is a life of nuance, I would say, and it's not perfect. And I still have so much to learn and to figure out and, you know at some point, I would love to be in a committed relationship with another man and um have a family and 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 uh you know follow that path for myself, but that's still you know not in any of my short term future at this point um and so there's a lot to navigate there still and and a lot to figure out and I think that my personal goal is to consistently check in with myself and to make sure that I'm in a good place. And that if I need to lean more on and be more introspective, uh, then I will. And if I need to be putting myself out there a little bit more and going on more dates and, and doing that, then, then I'll do that. Right. And I think that it's just, um, I want to take life in a way that I'm regularly just sort of, uh, checking in with myself and and continuing to progress because um, that's ultimately the goal
0: that i have That's great just touched by your story jacob i'm touched you you are a very mature 26 year old <laughs> one of the themes i felt as i've met with lgbtq people is a, a feeling that generally a lot of maturity given the biological age and i someone could do their thesis on this or a whatever that's called when you get a, mm-hmm. you do real complicated work at a graduate level. but, And I've sensed that's because you've had to go deep and you haven't been able to just rely on traditional sources and you've had to go deep to figure out your path and you've had to spend more time in prayer and pondering. And mm-hmm. and so I, I think it's a credit to you and your personality. And <clears throat> I'm going to lose my voice here and I have no more water in front of me. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but I just would want the best for you. I would want, if I'm your parent, I want to stay close with you. And I think what I try to do with as a parent and is I want, and as a YSA Bishop, I wanted people to feel they could trust me. Even people that were making choices that were outside the teachings of our church. Cause I felt like I would just help them make, but continue to make better choices. I could keep the family circle together. I could keep the relationship together. And that didn't to do that i didn't that didn't mean i sold out my doctrine what i believed in i just you know allow the reality of your life to be different than my own mm-hmm. and um unless you're actively working to take down my freedoms if you're you know which i don't see just you moving forward in your life the way you feel is best any way impacts my straight marriage or yeah. the things that i'm trying to accomplish with my family and so I'm glad you're on the podcast. I'm glad we're learning how to better love. I I like where your parents are, and I love that the family circle together. I think it's, I think that's one of the greatest goals as parents is if we can keep the family circle together, and that gets hard for L- active LDS parents if, if a child chooses to step away because they worry about empty seats at the table in the next life and their eternal family. And one of the reasons our LGBT people get suicidal. We've talked about this on a few podcasts, but one component or factor is if they feel they're uh, they're messing up their eternal fam their family's eternal family or their burden. And so I sense I wouldn't want any LGBTQ LDS you know, youth to feel like if they feel their path is to step away that that they become suicidal because they think they've ruined their eternal family. Right. Um So any other thoughts before we close?
1: I think that the thing that I would want other individuals to know is to simply whether you're on the side of being LGBTQ and coming out to your family or friends or on the side of receiving that information from people in your lives and, not being really sure what to do with that to move forward with patience and love because if you can push through and those relationships are real and were based in love and and closeness before that point um this new information doesn't have to change that and you can take the time and have the conversations and seek that understanding to get to a place of even better understanding and really coming to know one another even better than you did before because you didn't have this information before, and now you do, and you get to know them more wholly. And I think that it's absolutely worth it because I wouldn't want to trade my familial relations, um, my my relationship with my parents or my siblings or anything for that Um, but I am also going to live true to myself at this point. And I think that working through that to get to that place where we can be close and have these conversations and I can continue to be true to myself and my sexuality, that it's such a great place to be on this side and absolutely worth all the hard conversations and the journey and everything up to this point.
0: I love that. And I hope you're, I hope, you're successful. I want you to be successful. I, I wish our listeners could see Jacob. He's upbeat. He's positive. You can tell he's just in a great spot with his career emotionally. And if I'm your parent, that's what I want for, you know, my son or daughter is to be where you are um, and with so much hope for your future of your life and the feeling that you know your future. And I just leave part of that future at the Savior's feet, and and just say my job is to keep your family circle together and keep the communication channel open. I love the word hope, and for those of you that are LGBTQ, um, if your hopes are different than Jacob's, I think we're both saying that's great. And some of the LGBTQ people I've met that are saying, you know, don't just, just just let me kind of choose my path, and I'm not going to. You know, just honor that. So I think you're in a great spot, and I love what you're doing and just your future. i It's the first time we've talked about a Utah employer, Divi, and how they are creating a culture. Um, to me, it makes your company stronger. If I'm the CEO of Divi, I'm a, I'm an owner of a very small 10-person company, so we don't have 300 employees. But I want our company to be successful, and we've always hired the very best talent. And I would want to create a culture where everybody... Um, feels welcome so that they can all bring their very best talents together for the success of the company. So if I'm Blake, if that's his first name, mm-hmm. I'm and I'm running a company that's growing rapidly in the high tech sec- sector of Utah. I want people like you on my team, and that's why I love that you know the culture that's present in your company. And to me, that's not society going in the wrong way; it's society going in the right way, so that you can fully contribute, and so yeah, I believe we're in the last days and Satan's real and wants to destroy us, but I don't look at what's having at Divi as part of that. I don't look at how your parents are keeping the family circled together by not ostracizing you. To me, that's an improvement of society. Satan is real and wants to destroy us and wants to tear the family apart, but to me he does that by, if I'm your parents, sending sending you out of the family and cutting you off sending you to the streets because you've chosen this path. To me, that's what Satan wants to do is divide our families that way. So if your parents are listening and other parents, I think what, you know, Jacob's parents are doing is what Satan doesn't want us to do is by keeping the family circle. So Jacob makes better decisions and fill his family's support and love as he moves his way forward. You okay with all that? Yeah. Okay. So we're trying to do podcasts in an hour these days. We haven't, we're haven't. at an hour and 10 minutes. So that's an improvement. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Jacob came really prepared with notes on his phone. Didn't surprise me just the kind of man he is. And Jacob, thanks for being my friend. Thanks for um, things I learned today from you and just where you're going in life. And you have a great life ahead of you. And thank our listeners for joining us on another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love, hosted by Richard Osler.